0: For her. her. For you. Okay. Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. Can you see me above the tall trees here? Not just the whites of my eyes. It is great to be with everyone today. Let's go ahead and bow and have a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, as we start this morning in worship to you, we're so grateful that we could sing praise to you, that we could sing and be still and know that you are God. And Father, I pray that you would be with us this morning, and as I speak, I, I pray to speak your words, to preach your word uh, effectively, that hearts would be open, Father. And I pray that uh, women today will desire to be strengthened And to walk with you. But thank you, God, for this time that I could be in fellowship with amazing women. Thank you, Father, that we can worship you. And, Father, thank you for being our Father, most of all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, the leaves are too high, aren't (laughs) they? Well, it's great to be with everyone this morning. Thank you for having me. Karen, thank you for having me. Everybody looks great out there. And this is actually one of my favorite themes. Breathe. But I want to share just a few things, a few children's stories. I love kids. I grew up in a family of ten. If I could, I'd have ten kids. But as it is, I only have two boys, which seems like ten kids sometimes. But I want to share a little bit about uh, some kids at church. There was a Sunday school teacher who asked her class, What was Jesus' mother's name? One child answered, Mary. The teacher then asked, Who knows? Who knows? What Jesus' father's name was. A little kid said, Verge. Confused, the teacher asked, Where did you get that? The kid said, Well, you know, they're always talking about Verge and Mary. (laughs) His name is Verge. After seeing his brother baptized in church, another child, Jason, sobbed all the way home in the back seat of the car. His father asked him three times, Jason, what is wrong? Why are you crying? Finally, the boy replied, That preacher said he wanted us brought up in a Christian home, and I wanted to stay with you guys. Oops. Sunday school teacher asked her kids as they were on the way to church service, And why is it necessary to be quiet in church? One bright little girl replied, Because people are sleeping. I hope that's not us this morning, right? (laughs) Lastly, a wife invited some people to dinner. At the table, she turned to their six-year-old daughter and said, would you like to say the blessing? Would you like to pray for the food? I wouldn't know what to say, the girl replied. Just say what you hear mommy say, the wife answered. The daughter bowed her head and said, Lord, why on earth did I invite all these people to dinner? (laughs) Amazing what kids say, and I'm sure your kids say even more amazing things. I know, Anthony and I, when our kids were young, we had to prep them plenty of times. But the truth always came out, which was just fine. Let's go ahead and turn to Psalm 46 and read our theme scripture here. Psalm 46 in verse 1 through 3 and in verse 9 to 10. It says here, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. And then down in verse 10, it says, he makes war's seas to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. You know, so many times this is all that God wants of us. Especially for women. Yeah. Be still. Know that God is in control. Know that he is in control of your life, he's in control of your family. God wants us just to be still. He wants us to just breathe. So let's go ahead and take a moment. Let's Just let in a few seconds. Let it out again. And I think, oh, I thought there's flowers up there. But let it in. (laughs) And let it out again. Any moms in here? You remember taking those cleansing breaths? Never cleansed anything in me when I was in labor. But I did it anyways. (laughs) But, you know, breathing is a mechanism. It's designed by God. And I think it's designed by God because it keeps us going. You know, there is an article... um, online um from a meditation journal it says when you breathe properly that is with the mouth closed so that the air is inhaled through nasal passages oxygen, oxygen travels down the pharynx rear of the throat the larynx roughly in the area of adam's apple and the trachea or windpipe until it reaches the bronchial tubes by then most of the dust and bacteria have been filtered out by the mucous membranes or the more, most moist lining of the no, nose Mucus, by the way, it's not just the gross things that you used to play with as kids. In addition to acting as filtering substances, also has certain germicidal properties, another reason why it's so important to cultivate, cultivate the habit of breathing through the nose. A third reason is that while traveling this somewhat longer road, the air is warmed to proper body temperature. After having thus filtered and warmed, the supply of air moves on from the bronchi into the lungs. Here it enters millions of cells, 600 million of them to be exact, if you can visualize such an astronomic figure, each of which is a tiny air sac. Surrounding these is a network of equally tiny blood vessels or capillaries. The blood absorbs the fresh oxygen directly through the cell walls at the same time as it rids itself of the carbon dioxide from the last trip. didn't realize your biology would come in handy, right? This is an anatomy class. Next, the freshly oxygenated blood travels to the heart. The heart pumps it via arteries and blood vessels to every part of the body, where in turn, it seeps into every tissue and bone cell. In this manner, 800 quarts of blood pass through the heart and lungs every hour. Note well here, small wonder then that the condition of your heart so governs your life expectancy. I would say the condition of your heart so closely governs also your spiritual life expectancy. By now it should be clear why the proper technique of breathing is so important. The practice of deep breathing produces immediate beneficial results. The person begins to experience lightness of body and absence of restlessness. Start breathing, girls. Better digestion due to an increase of the flow of the gastric juices, clearing and smoothing of the skin way cheaper than Botox. The physiological benefits I have already explained. Now let the person discover for himself how quickly these will come to him once he establishes a daily routine of exercises. As for the spiritual well-being, that will follow. The inner lightness, the serenity. It matters little whether you attribute them to oxygen burning out the waste and poison in your gray matter or to more subtle substances, subtle influences. The most important thing and that it is all yours to enjoy at will. You know, God has given us the amazing gift of breath, the breath of life, and that is God. You know, for me, I was a nursing student years ago, long time ago, 27 years ago, I was a nursing student. Um, so I, this is really interesting to me, but to be honest, all my life, I, I think I always checked if people are breathing. I'm, I'm not quite sure what it, what it is, but... I always check if people are breathing. When I was in college, uh, one of my roommates had a terrible problem with snoring. Terrible. I mean, honestly, she sounded like something from the dead. (laughs) She sounded like a monster. People used to stop me in the halls. How do you sleep? We can hear her from outside your room. But sure enough, she'd be snoring. And this is my first week of school. I already missed my parents. I didn't like the food feel really small <laughs> in this university. All of a sudden, I feel really dumb. I'm with all these, you know, valedictorians, and everybody's smart in college. Um, so I'm really feeling insecure. And then my I, I can't sleep because my roommate is snoring. And sure enough, she's snoring. And then all of a sudden, sudden she'll stop breathing. And I'm like, Jen? Jen? And, you know, she'll like... <laughs> and turn around, it's like... <laughs> sure enough, she had sleep apnea I had to, had to uh, used to come to church with me and fall asleep in the sermons that's why you don't have to be quiet sometimes at church but I always check if people are breathing my kids when they were young I don't know about any young moms in here with new babies you know what it is your baby's sleeping so quietly you go really close you're like are they breathing you put their your hand on their back you know put the mirror under their nose to see if there's you know any fog coming out or whatever but I'm always checking to see if people are breathing. My kids, oh, you gotta make sure they're breathing. Gotta make sure they're breathing. My husband. We went, uh, as uh, Karen shared, we moved to Manila. We were gonna live there our whole lives, so we decided to get immunization shots. And one of the shots was a typhoid shot. And when you get a typhoid shot, you get the natural reaction. I mean, they're you know injecting you with typhoid. So he gets the bad reaction, and me being the nurse, I was his. Roommates call me, they're like, Son, we're concerned about Anthony, he's really sick. I'm like, okay, what? You know, I just turn into nurse mode. I'm like, okay, give me his symptoms. So they give me his symptoms, you know, he's, he's this, he's got a high fever, he's chills, he's shaking, you know, and they're going on and on, he just looks really bad, Son. You know, this is a house full of men. I, I love the brothers, I love men. It's nothing against you, but it, anyways, they were calling me, giving all these symptoms of typhoid fever. So they're going on and on and on. They're like, son, what do I do? So I said, bro, is he breathing? And he said, yes. I said, he's going to be fine. And they're like, she's heartless, Anthony. You're going to marry her? She's heartless. That's all she asked. But is he breathing? Breathing is important. Important. What happens when, he, when we stop breathing? No oxygen to the brain, no oxygen to your heart. It's so important. But we need to know if people are breathing. We need to know these are important signs of life. You know, breathing means that people are alive. Are we alive today? Are we alive in this room? Are we alive? Do we have energy? Are we at peace? Are we spiritually alive? That's the question. You're not here about anatomy. You're not here about biology. This is not the NCLEX review course. This is about spiritual life. Are we breathing, ladies? Point number one, you must check your spiritual vital signs. You must check your spiritual vital signs. Any person seeing a doctor knows this. You go to the doctor, you go to the hospital, one of the first things you've got to do is have your vital signs checked. Who knows what the vital signs are? Anybody? Blood pressure. pressure. You got to make sure you've got something going on in there. I had dinner with one of my good friends. She's an elderly woman. She goes, son, my blood pressure was 190 over 120. I'm like, oh my gosh. That is not good, (laughs) sister. She went to the hospital. Who else knows? Blood pressure. Anybody else know another one? Pulse. Got to know the heart rate. Is your heart even going? Um, and normal heart rate is between 60 and 90, and most athletic people actually have a lower heart rate, 40 to 50. I remember this guy came into the hospital, heart rate was at 40. I look at him, I'm like, uh, are you an athlete? Because <laughs> either you're an athlete or you're in the wrong ward here. This is a neurosurgery ward. You should be in the cardiac ward. Anybody else know another one? Temperature. Temperature. Are you hot to trot or not? Are you hot? 98.6, 37 degrees Celsius. What's the last one? We've got temperature, blood pressure, heart rate. What's the last one? Respirations. It's that theme again, ladies. Are we breathing? You know, these vital signs are indicators to the physician of your physical health. They let the guy know, no respirations, no port, no pulse, that's a warning sign that something is going on with the blood flow. There's no blood flow. Something, has got, something is going on. You know, but these vital signs are indicators, they're warnings to our physicians. In the same way as doctors give us warnings, the Bible gives us the very same spiritual warning. Turn to Proverbs 28, <clears throat> in verse 14. In Proverbs 28... In verse 14, it says, Blessed is the woman who always fears the Lord, but she who hardens her heart falls into trouble. And you're like, Wow, I thought this was supposed to be an encouraging women's event today. (laughs) This is not an encouraging scripture. But you know what? It's a warning. It's a warning. Just as your vital signs tell your doctor what's going on in your body, Your heart, your life, tells God what's going on in your spiritual life. Fear the Lord and things will be fine. You'll be blessed. Harden your heart and you'll fall into trouble. And believe me, over my 24 years, 27 years in the ministry, I've seen plenty of people who have hardened their hearts and they've fallen into trouble. But a hardened heart, when does this happen? It happens when there's, there's no oxygen flowing, there's no blood pumping, no breathing. It's the same thing spiritually. This is what can happen. Your life gets busy, doesn't it? I, I know how it is. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I've got two active boys. They were always in a sport. My son, I just actually dropped him off this morning at 8.15 in Santa Paula. He plays on a club soccer team. I'm like, bye, honey, love you. <laughs> See you after the game dropped him off i'll go pick him up afterwards but that's just life life gets really busy you're working a full-time job you've got a lot of things going taking care of the kids social life etc but life can get really busy and you know what can start happening you start pushing away your relationship with god you start pushing away it's like oh, i don't have time to pray this morning i don't have time to read my bible read my bible I remember when um, I first started studying the Bible, they said, "Son, you've got to read your Bible. Every day I was like, so dramatic. What? Every day? Are you kidding? I've got homework. I was so dramatic. I st- My poor husband, bless his heart, I still am dramatic. But I thought, this is so hard. But life gets busy, right? And then you start pushing God away. You start pushing spiritual friends away. Oh, I don't have time. I don't have time to get together. I don't have time for a spiritual talk. I don't have time to pray. Or it starts waiting away where you do your obligatory verse a day. Have my cup of coffee. I'm going to read my voice. The Lord is my shepherd. You're not going to get deep with God. That's not going to keep your blood, your spiritual blood flowing. But this is what starts happening. Church becomes a burden. I've got to go to church, and it's an hour and a half, and it's 20 minutes away. i got to get the kids packed up. And church is not exciting anymore. But this is what can happen when we start waning away and start spiraling spiritually. How is it with you? How are your spiritual vital signs? Are you aware of the signs and symptoms symptoms that tell you whether you're spiritually healthy or not? You know, if you stop reading your Bible, that's a warning sign. You stop praying, that's a warning sign. Christians call you, you don't pick up your phone. You just let the voicemail pick up. You don't answer text messages. You don't want to go to church. People are making you. Or it could be other signs where you're not excited anymore. You're not excited to be with God. You're not excited to pray. You're not excited to go away to the mountains or to the beach. You have a beautiful area here. I had a hard time watching the game and looking over at your view here. I'm like, wow, this is beautiful. But you're in a great place to just stop, be still, and be with God. How are you doing spiritually? Is there a spiritual excitement? What's your spiritual temperature? Would God say you're hot, hot, hot? Or would He say you're not, not, not? Would God say you're breathing, or are you just treading water, just trying to stay above? You know, ladies, I want to encourage you. You've got to know what your spiritual vital signs are. You've got to be aware of the signs and symptoms of spiritual life. I want you to share, when I went off to college, um, I made a decision that I wanted to grow in my relationship with God. You know, college is a great time. Do we have any college students here? Woohoo! Yeah. It's a great time just to discover yourself, right? I'm like, yes, away from my parents. I get to sign up for any class I want. I think I did, you know, jazz dance, which i totally bombed. I did gymnastics. I pulled a muscle. I was out the rest of the semester. I'm like, okay, there you go for freedom. But I also decided I wanted to know, number one, my culture. I was Filipino-American, but I really didn't know much of my culture. So I decided I'm going to join the Filipino-American club and eat good food every once in a while, and say get really nice hugs from lolos and lolas and older people and learn my language, hopefully. And secondly, I really wanted to grow in my relationship with God. I knew I needed God. There was something in my system that says, Son, you need God. And so I did what I've always done growing up in a traditional church. I went to church. I went to church every Sunday. That's about all I did. And I started seeing, you know, this, this is not really making me very excited. My spiritual heart rate was not going up at all. You know, I was pretty happy singing the folk songs, but I'm like, okay, is there anything else this week? And so I thought, no, this isn't bringing fulfillment. I thought, maybe I just need to get more involved, just need to get active. So I started getting active in the um, campus ministry that I had. I went to a Catholic university, but I still wasn't fulfilled. There, there was just this... this Kind of humdrum that just wasn't exciting. But I thought maybe this is just how it's going to be. This is just what a relationship with God is like. So I started settling spiritually. You know how that is? Just started accepting, okay, this is what life is going to be like, my spiritual life. It's not going to be that exciting. I'm going to be dutiful. I'll be there every Sunday and I'll help out. But it's not going to be that exciting. I was not happy. I was not fulfilled. I was not spiritually growing. And then I met some Christians. And this group of people, they were different. They were happy. They were excited about their walk with God. They weren't religious, but they were sincere. They were genuine. I remember I'd say, hey, what are you guys doing this weekend? They're like, oh, we have a Bible study. I'm like, oh, you guys are so boring. You have no life. <laughs> I used to think, wow, how fun is that, Bible study? But I was really amazed by these women because they were unabashed about their Christianity. Whereas I was a little hidden about my faith. I wanted to kind of fit in with everybody else. I didn't want to be too, too spiritual, but that I didn't want to be under-spiritual. So I just kind of fit in. I did enough. Whereas these women were unabashed. They were talking about Jesus at Macy's. I'm like, Whoa, this is amazing here. People can hear you. They are talking about God. They are inviting people to church. They were able to show me answers from the Bible about questions I had, and that really impressed me. Because in spite of all my religious learning, religious studies, I didn't know a lot about the Bible. I didn't even know where to turn in the Bible. I knew where Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was, Genesis, and Revelation, six books of the Bible I could turn there really quickly the other ones I'm like I kind of peek over are they turning right or left where should I go but you know being with them challenged me you know there's nothing wrong about being challenged in your spiritual life sometimes we think ah I don't want to be challenged you know there's nothing wrong when it quickens your spiritual heart rate I was excited I loved going to church with them. I loved their little songs, you know, up there singing. I was like, yeah, our songs are not like this. I loved how people hung around and they fellowshiped. I'm like, wow, fellowship. This is a new concept for me. I loved how people had their Bibles with them. And it was a new message that was, like, applicable to my life. I used to think the guy up there knew my life. It's like, why did someone share about my life? But, you know, I loved being there a quickened My heart rate increased my joy. I felt hot, hot, hot for God all of a sudden. You know, there's another scripture that really helped me in James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And uh, I actually think I have a few more verses than what's up there on the screen. And starting off in verse 22, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a woman who looks at her face in a mirror and after looking at herself goes away and immediately forgets what she looks like. There is no woman in here that I know it is like that. But the woman who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this not forgetting what she has heard but doing it she will be blessed in what she does. You know, it really helped me to know that I've got to become a doer of the word. I couldn't just listen. The message couldn't just be this nice message that, ooh, nice flowery feelings, fluttery feelings in my heart. No, God says you read it, you listen, and you do what it says, right? Most of us, when we look in the mirror, don't we change something, We change our hair, we fix our collar, our lipstick, our eyeshadow. You know, you look at the pimple on your face and go, no. Or, you know, the sunspots, thinking of God, put more sunscreen on. But we always change something, right? God says, when you look at his word, you've got to make a change. You've got to do what it says. And see, this is what I was lacking. I was just a listener. Of the word, I was not doing what it said, I was not applying it to my life. But I have a challenge here for you in this first point, knowing your spiritual vital signs. Ask the questions Where is your spiritual heart rate? Where are you today? Are you within the normal limits 60 through 90? Or are you excited about God? You have a higher heart rate spiritually. Or you kind of there on the low side. And it's not because of athleticism. It's because of a dullness of heart. Where are you at today? Where are you at? If your spiritual life is waning, if it's weakening, I want to encourage you to talk to someone about it before you leave. Say, hey, this is where my heart rate is at. Let's get together. Let's look at the word. I want to become a doer of the word. I, want to, I have a second challenge here. For those of you who are Christians... I have a second challenge here. I want you to take it up a notch. Bam! Take it up a notch. If you feel you are a disciple, your walk is waning. It doesn't feel challenging. You're not excited to go to church. You're not excited to serve. You're not excited to go to Macy's and share your faith. You're not excited, you know, when someone calls you. I want you to challenge you. And I want you to make a decision before this week is over that you will decide to se- spend three separate hours alone with God. Amen. Just you and him. You choose the time, you choose the place, you choose a scripture reading, and you choose a person that you can share this with that can help you. But I want to encourage you, if you feel like you are a Christian and you're waning, you need to take it up a notch. Amen. You know, like my favorite part in the movies when they get the defibrillators They get the paddles, and they get the the glue or the gel. They rub them together. They put it on the guy. They're like, clear. Boom. That's my favorite part. I just love that part. Boom. And the guy just, yes, I'm awake, you know. And he's flatlining, and then he's got the EKG move. He's awesome. I mean, his heart is going. Let me tell you, that's what can happen to you. If you say, I'm a Christian, yet your life is waning. You know it. You're not excited, and you know it. I want to encourage you, take three separate hours alone with God. You're thinking how you make it happen. Amen. You decide, I'm just going to stay up late, turn off the TV. Amen. Me and God, my Bible. And I say an hour because you know what happens? The first 15 minutes you're like, uh. <laughs> You know, you're everywhere. You do your last text message. You look at your calendar. You can't find your book. You, I just It takes a little bit of time for me to settle. I have my iPod then because I've got to shut out the world. I've just got to shut out the world, put my iPod on, and it's just me and God. Do that three times. And the next week you feel good, do it another three times. The next week, do it four times. But I want to encourage you, if your life is waning away spiritually, I, I don't want to be here in this nice group, in this nice facility, just have a nice talk with you. I want to, bam, want to get that spiritual heart rate going. I like breathing, remember. I like to get the spiritual aid, the defibrillators. I, I longed to do that in the hospital, but thankfully I never had to. So I go ahead and give me, give me the paddles. You know? And you know, they say clear because what can happen is if someone is touching the bed or part of the patient, they can be zapped. That's how strong those electrodes are. Amazing. But you know what? You plug here into God's word. He can make it happen. He will revive you where you don't have to go into the hospital. Amen? Amen. You must know your spiritual vital signs. Secondly, you get another chance. And this is my final point. After checking your vitals, it's time to go see the specialist. You find out, wow, my blood count is low, heart rate is low, my blood pressure is low. I've got to go see the big guy. I've got to see the specialist. I've got to see the surgeon. When you're in the depths and you feel hopeless, you feel like, I can't get my heart rate up. I've been living this life. I've been immoral for so long. I've been in drugs. I've been lying. I can't seem to do it. Then it's time to go see God and get with the specialist. Because he wants to give you another chance. You know, God is not just looking down at all of us. He hears women going, oh, well, that's their choice. God sends you signs. God says, go to the Breathe Women's event Sunday, March 13th. There's a little Filipino lady who's going to defibrillate you. God sends you signs. Your neighbor, your co-worker, another... Parents, at the school, a family member. And you're like, stop talking. But God says, no, they're going to keep talking because that's why I have them there. They're going to stay in your ear. They're going to be on you like white on rice (laughs) until you turn around. Why? Because I want to give you a second chance. I want to give you a second chance. Let's look in Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Starting off in verse 16, it says, This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. God says forget what what happened in your life, the challenges, your regrets. Don't dwell on it. God says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? Do you not hear it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. You know, we've got to put aside the challenges and focus on the person and the one who can help us. He says, see, I am doing a new thing. In Revelations 21 and verse 5, he says, I am making everything new. Don't you like new things? I love new things. Even if it's a hand-me-down, I love it. I I just love the feel of it. I love that I get a new outfit and I get to mix and match. I love new things, new lipstick, new, love it, new things. We all love new things, right? See, God wants to start your life new. He knows there's people in here that need a second chance. He says, you know what? I'll make you like a way in the desert. You know, sometimes in the desert, it could be hot. You feel like this is overbearing. It's 115 degrees out here, and you feel like there's nothing. There's no oasis. God says, I'm going to make you away. And he says, I'm going to make you like streams in the wasteland. You know, a wasteland is bleak. It's unattractive. It's an unused area of land. God says, you know what? I'm going to make what's bleak in your life light. What's unattractive, I'm going to make attractive. What's unused, I'm going to use. You're going to be like a stream in the wasteland. Don't you love streams on a hot day? I think we've read about it in books, you know. I don't think, where I live in the city, we don't really have a stream, you know. But I've read it in books where you take off your shoes and you tiptoe through the stream and splash each other. And it's refreshing and it's fun. That's what God wants to do. He wants to make your life new. He wants to give you another chance. You know, um, again, I wanted to share, I was in my junior year of college. And life started catching up as it does when you're in college on your own without a great relationship with God. I started doing things that I regretted. Uh, The impurity, sleeping with my boyfriend, and and I just saw that the um, goals I had started decreasing. I'll never sleep with my boyfriend. Okay, uh, I'm only gonna sleep with him if I love him. Okay, I'm only gonna sleep with him if I marry him. I said that three times in my life. Unfortunately, Things just started catching up. Um, I started partying with people because I wanted to fit in. I wanted to feel secure. I wanted to look like I was happy. I was hip. I, I fit in. I'm one of you guys. So I started partying and drinking and doing things that I regret. I started saying things. There were things in my heart that I didn't like. I didn't like uh, my people-pleasing ways. I didn't like the anger, or the jealousy, the criticalness. Always comparing myself to people. Always comparing myself to people that people that were taller, which was everybody. Except the kids. She taller than me? Yes, she's taller than me. But, you know, life started catching up. In my happy life, here I am, making it in college. You know, my dreams getting fulfilled. I I just started seeing the clouds coming over. I regretted. I hated when I would party and I would come home and not remember To this day, it's hard for me to drink a beer because all I can think about is people throwing up on my bed and in my dorm room. I'm like, oh, oh, I can't handle that. But you know what I saw in my life was that life was catching up and the things that I thought would make me secure or confident, like a boyfriend, friends, partying, fitting in, trying to be popular, being part of lots of clubs. All these things that I thought would make me secure, make me confident, they actually made me feel worse. And I had much more guilt than I wanted. I wanted to change, but I didn't know how. I felt hopeless. And I just started accepting this is just how life is. This is how everybody is. I looked around and everybody else seemed the same to me until I started studying the Bible with Christians. And again, remember, these are unabashed Christians. These are sincere Christians. They love God. They weren't perfect. They weren't faultless, but they were headed in the right direction. And they followed God's word, which I knew lasted forever. Not Dr. Phil, not Dr. Laura, not all these other people that we can sometimes depend on for for our security or, or for advice. But I started studying the Bible with Christians, started studying specific areas in my life that needed to change. About faith, walking with God, getting rid of sin, repenting of my life, and I started realizing that God wanted to give me another chance. God wanted me to breathe again, whereas before I felt stifled, God wanted me to breathe. He wanted to give me a second chance, but I needed to give God control. I needed to relinquish control to God because what I was doing was I was taking things into my own hand. hands. This is how to do it. This is what I need to do. This is what I need to feel. This is who I need to be friends with. This is who I need to marry. I started taking things all into my own hands, taking control of my life. Because I thought, who else is going to take care of me? Me. Only I will. So I will take control. And when I started reading the Bible, I started seeing God wants to take control of me. God wants to care for me. He does care. He loves me. And I wanted to put my hands, I don't know about you, but I wanted to put my hands in something that would last forever, something that would be unshakable, and I needed to trust in him. Let's look in John chapter 3, in verse 1 through 6. Today, this is your chance. In John chapter 3, you know, it talks about being born again. There's a, wise, there was a man named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. And replied, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying you must be born again. You know, the Bible talks about being born again. It is not just this nice term, ooh, I'm a born-again Christian. No. I, any, anybody have kids in here? Okay, the Bible says the flesh gives birth to flesh. Do you remember your labor and delivery? <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but it wasn't just, oh, yes, it was so not nice term. Yes, I labored and delivered. No, they called it labor? And delivery. And in my mind, I'm thinking, son, please do not say anything bad to these nurses and to this doctor. They're like, push, Mrs. Gling." I'm like, oh, dear, dear, you took the thing out. And all I could think about was this thing, you know, I, I didn't even call it a child anymore. This thing is going to be stuck in my stomach for the rest of my life because I'm not going to push. But you know, it's hard, isn't it? It is hard. My first one actually was C-section. No, I just cut me open, take him out. That was a different labor and delivery. But, um, you know, labor and delivering, when you are birthing a baby, it's hard. It's the same with your spiritual life. When you were born again, it can be hard. It can be challenging. There are times when you want to give up. When you look at the lady across the way and you go, no, you don't understand my life. It's the same way when we're giving birth, right? We feel people don't understand. Oh, this guy, he's never given birth. How does he know? He's telling me to do things. But no, God understands. And he says, to become a Christian, you need to be born again. I was so grateful 27 years ago to be born again, to be baptized, and to have a new life. It's a life I've always wanted. Being married almost 22 years, I have an awesome husband. I have an awesome kids. I mean, sometimes I sit back and go, God, this is amazing. This is amazing. My kids love me. Now, is my life perfect? No. Do my kids disobey? Yes. Am I, do I have the most awesome words coming out of my mouth all the time? No. Ask my blessed husband. I ask for forgiveness many, many times. But you know what? I have a second chance. I've got a new life and I'm headed in the right way because this is what I'm following. But women, God wants to give you a second chance. I wanted to share just about a few people. God has given a second chance. There's a woman who came to Women's Day about two years ago. She was separated from her husband, resolved to get divorced. They had an eight-year-old son. Through the Bible studies, she realized she needed to make spiritual changes. Uh, Two years later, she, or about About a year later, she brought her husband out to a marriage retreat. The first time, they were on the verge of of a divorce. Brought her husband out. They loved it. They both began to study the Bible. They both were baptized in January. And in February, they renewed their vows in front of family and friends. And we sat there. We're like, wow. Years ago, there was venom. She was ready. She had the pen ready to sign. And yet God gave them another chance. He's giving their marriage and family a second chance. I wanted to share about this college student, 19 years old. And the color black that she always wore kind of represented what she was feeling inside. She came to Bible study, and she was hard. None of the girls wanted to reach out. They're like, no, I'm not talking to her. You talk to her. (laughs) So I talked to her. We set up Bible studies. And, you know, she had lived on the street for a while because of her involvement with drugs. Uh, And sometimes you think, wow, where'd she live? She lived in Orange County. She goes, you know, Son, there's drugs everywhere. Because of her involvement with drugs, alcohol, she lived on the street. She became sexually promiscuous. She studied the Bible, opened up about her life, confessed, and changed and was baptized. God gave her a new life. He gave her a second chance. The most amazing thing when I think about her, God has given her innocence back. She's a girl again. He was a 19-year-old headed for destruction. Lived a life three times her age. And yet God has given her a second chance. I now affectionately call her Hello Kitty. Because that's what she looks like. And she's part of a leadership group in her campus ministry. But you know what? God has given this college student another chance. When life seemed hopeless, when life was hard, He gave her another chance. I think of another sister who waited seven years until her husband became a Christian. Faithful, coming to church. She was always kind of quiet. Kids were always there. Her husband studied, became a Christian. He was baptized last year, and the joy between them is amazing. It's like they are now one again. They want to lead Bible studies. They want to lead groups. It's amazing. God is giving their family, a second chance. God is giving this wife a second chance. You know, God wants to give you another chance in life. He wants to give you another chance. He wants to to give your life back. And this is a challenge I have for you. If you want a spiritual change, if you want another chance in your life and you want to be close to God, take this chance. Ask someone today before you leave, study the Bible with me. She's talking, the little lady's talking about Bible studies. What's the Bible studies? Can you study the Bible with me? If you brought someone with you, say, what do you think about what she said? Do you want to have a Bible study with me? God is willing to give you a second chance. And again, if you are a Christian and your life is waning away, again, I want to challenge you. Get those three hours with God. Three separate hours alone with God. And God will give you that chance. But ladies, we must check out our spiritual vital signs. We need to know and evaluate where we're at. Secondly, you get another chance. In this life, God always gives second chances. God, life is never over when you're walking with God. But I want to encourage you to take the chance and turn to him. Amen. Thank you.